Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We're available beyond the FM dial at RadioNorthland.org. You can also check us out live and in the moment via TuneIn. And you can also listen to us, uh, some episodes on the Offshoots Network. Yes, we're part of the Offshoots family and very happy to be a part of that little crew. Hi, I'm Glenn Broggett along with my main man down there deep in the heart of Texas in the mobile studio. Getting ready to go here on this November day. Uh, I got to ask though, what, what's the weather like down there, Mister Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy? And welcome to uh, Rasslin' Memories Then and Now. It's cold, man. That's what the weather's like down here. It's cold. Okay, what's well, not Minnesota what, cold, but it's Texas cold. Okay, <laughs> okay. I got to say that. I got to ask you, man. I'm like, what the hell? What is Texas cold right now? What is that? What is that? What's the temperature now at the moment? I believe we're about forty-four or forty-five degrees right now. So for Texas, that's cold. When it's sixties, we put on our hooded sweater sweaters and our jackets. So. Understand, understand. Yeah, we're about at 21 degrees right now. Yeah, like we, I said, we ain't Minnesota yeah. cold. We're just Texas cold. <laughs> yeah, it was six above this but, morning, man, and the wind chill made it feel like uh, six below. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good, thank you. <laughs> you don't want none of this. You know what, Glenn? Yeah, sounds like our guest, man. Sounds like our guest. He's ready to get on and start talking with us today. I man. think I think he's quite ready to uh, do it to it, man. And it, you've got yourself a, a main event guest, uh, my friend. I've heard lots of things about him. I've heard that he's quite the storyteller. I remember him in the ring working for Bill Watts. I remember him work tagging up with Michael P.S. Hayes. I remember him in Global Wrestling. I, oh man, this is a great guest. This is one of the the guys that uh, you know. And I haven't we haven't had a chance in the history of this program to chat with. So it's really extra special here for us here at Wrestling Memories then and now and I'm going to let you kind of do the guiding. I'm going to let you be the pilot man. I'll come in from time to time to throw some questions down his way especially when it comes to uh, you know working for that Super Clash 3 show but anyway I want to let you introduce the man because I know he's rip roaring and ready to go. Well you know man like you said in the history of Wrestling Memories you haven't had a chance to have this man on as a guest. I on the other hand I've had a chance to have this man as a guest on a couple times on a previous show. I have also had the chance to sit with this man ringside and listen as he watches and critiques some of the matches going on in the ring. So, you know, he and I, we have a little bit of history, and I always enjoy talking to this guy because, like you said, he's got a lot of stories, and he will tell it like it is. He's not going to sugar. I'm going to warn you right now, listeners. No. He's not going to sugarcoat yep. it. I can't. I can't. Yeah. If there's any kids listening, you might want to cover their ears because our guest today is none other then Mr. Do It To It, Steve Cox. Steve, welcome oh, to the show. Yeah, hey guys, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate this and, and talking about the day. And and, and and I'll start out by just saying, I was so fortunate to, to literally fall into the business and, and work my little time. Because, you know, the business goes back to what, 1905, really, when it got started up. And, and, and being able to be part of that, my little glitch in in the moment and it just keeps rolling on time keeps rolling on the business keeps rolling on and i am so happy to that, that i did my time i was able to get in work with some of the best workers in the business travel the world do some wonderful things and then live and get out and only be a one-time rehab guy you know what i mean and uh so <laughs> i'm still pretty blessed and still alive and, and it's still in pretty good shape, you know. So, I, you know, I'm happier in hell, you know. And, and work that era and hang out with the guys that I did. You know, the K Faber era, 80s, you know, late 80s night. Well, in the 80s through the 90s. So, but it was a good time. It was a blast, guys. I tell people, rock star, pro wrestling, pro athlete. I think every guy should experience that and have some girl screaming that's really hotter than hell, like a nine or ten screaming. And, you know, but that's what TV does to people. 
they should have done the same thing if I was Scooby-Doo. You know what I mean? It's just crazy how people respond to that. It, and we took full advantage of it. It was a good time, you know, so. Now, yeah. talking, not talking about that, talking about how you uh, you got into the ring and all that. You, baby, you just came out about 1985, 86, as you said, kind of in the, yeah. you know, the mid-80s. And you had a chance yeah. in your career to work with some great, you know, territories that, oh. you know, still kind of got a little history behind them. You know, UWF with Bill Watts, you got a chance to work in world class. Right. Here in Dallas, Texas, with you know the Von Ericks, you got a chance to work in Global. Global, for at one point, was like the hot phenomenon because they were on five nights a week on ESPN television. They were the big deal. Yeah. You had a chance oh, yeah. to work with all these groups. Oh yeah, and a few pay per views and Japan. You know what I'm saying? It, it was pretty neat because literally, like, I got out of college, graduated, I played in the USFL. That's where I found out about Cole. My first team I played with was the Michigan Panthers, and we're based out of Pontiac, Michigan. And all I know is, is it's that kind of cold, everyday scene cold. And when you're in a place where you got to plug in cars, it's that kind of cold. But prior to that, I was drafted by the New Jersey Generals, which in turn, which Trump bought. You think about it, they still had spring football. You know, that thing would be making bank, but Trump will try to leverage in the NFL, but that's here and there. But that's really where I met Doc for the first time. You know, like a third of our team, the New Jersey Generals were originally owned by the newspaper guy over here in Oklahoma City. But anyway, that's where I met Doc for the first time. He was really just holding out to get Bill Watts to pay more money. And I played my time. Anyway, I was at a gym in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I met Rick Steiner, Sting, all those guys that were working out. And they said, you got to come down and talk, you know, Bill Watts. And that's what I did. I went down and met Bill. And he goes, you got any boots? I go, no. Got any trunks? I said, no. He says, you're not too serious. So I'm like, well, I'm serious. You know how you're like, yeah, I'm real. You know. So anyway, I went and got some boots. The guy over in Arkansas made them. He used to make all the boots. Anyway, he made me some shooter boots, black shooter boots. Got me some trunks. Went back, had a couple of local yokel matches. You know what I'm saying? Like, God dang, India's the worst, you know. And I was clueless. But anyway, so I, I go down to the convention center, talk to Bill. He said, well, put your stuff on. So I put it on. It was hilarious. You know, I'm thinking, why the hell am I putting it on? But anyway, I go to the ring. And this is convention center tall. So, you know, they were doing good crowds there. You know, 10, 11,000 people. But it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was Doc, Ack, DBRC, Watts. We walk out in the ring, and he told me to hit the ropes. So I hit the ropes. Nobody watching, nobody paying a leg attention. I kept hitting the ropes, hitting the ropes, hitting the ropes. And really, Bill was just hit if I'd stop. <laughs> you know? Because in our day, you know, when a heel called a spot, you, you don't, well, you can call it off, but not too rare. So I kept running. Finally, I said, that'll work. See me in two weeks. And I got a hold of Bill, you know, through that time, a couple times. Talked, met. Kind of showed me some stuff upstairs. He had a place out in Bixby. He had a huge ranch-like thing on the river just south of Tulsa here. But anyway, my first match, I get in the car, and they're really taking back Bill Watts showing up at a 2 o'clock matinee show on a Sunday in Miami, Oklahoma. Terry Taylor, Chavo Guerrero, Doc, DiBiase. Dugan is just, no, he hadn't left yet. He's about ready to go to New York. Did um, quite a few guys. But anyway, my first match ever was at that Army with Mike, Mike George, and Tommy Gilbert was my ref. It was hilarious. I come off the ropes, and Mike throws a punch, literally knocks me to my knees. I'm sucking air. And Tommy Gilbert's laughing, going, damn, I don't know where Bill Watts finding these guys. He's a pro already. Look at him selling. He's going to be a pro. He's going to be really good. And I'm so freaking green. I'm just trying to catch my air. Anyway, Mike ends up grabbing me and falling back and takes a one two. Next thing you know, I get in with Watts, drive down to the convention center. We do TV that night. Doc takes me to the ring. I watch. 
you know, that's where the big smiles we started the angle. But prior to that, it was funny, you know, kayfabe there. We sneak over, we're at the hills, and they're trying to figure out my finish. Akbar was there, Eli the Eliminator, Wild Bill Irwin, trying to come up with a finish. Because, you know, Doc had the Oklahoma Stampede. You know, this other type of competition. You know, I don't have that kind of strength like Doc. You know, Doc's a freaking man. He's a freaking caveman. Me and him are the same height. I wear a 10 and a half, and Doc had a 13 triple E. I mean, he's built like a caveman. You know, hell of a guy. Don't, don't, don't get it wrong. He's a big bone structure guy. But anyway, so Bill Irwin literally walks by. He goes, side rush and leg sweep. Armstrong's coming in, but he don't use it no more. So, like, side rush. So, they show it to me. And, and that's been my finish my whole career. That's how that got started. But anyway, we go to the ring and we get in there. And that day, we did a standoff. Eli knocks the living out of me. So, me and Eli are going at it. It's a straight-ass shoot, you know. And, and I never get DB. I see a doc laughing her ass off. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> and we're going toe-to-toe. You know, Bill had guys, you know, because you had Hercules Hernandez, Eli, Dugan. We had a crew, you know. And, you know, we had Rick Steiner and... So it was quite interesting. This is when the Warrior was still there to stay, and I could tell there was a lot of going on there. I was there that night when Doc hit the ring with uh, the Ultimate Warrior, beat his ass. God just beat his ass. He, you know, he was so bad, though. You know what I mean? And you got to give Vince credit for getting that over. Anyway, that was kind of my start to the business, running the road. And then next day, we're, I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana. Off I go. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I was really kind of lone wolfing for a while, and then I fell in with Chavo Guerrero. Chavo really cleaned me up, you know, helping me. But my really first angle working was with Gary Young, that rookie of the year thing. And it's hilarious. We're down in South Louisiana, and he, you know, this back and forth is cool to dress up like a woman. Anyway, his ass was looking for size 13, you know, women's heels. You know, he dressed up like a woman. And I got my trophy, and the woman hit a ring, and, you know, it was Gary Young, and off we go, you know. That was my first angle. But he really, you know, the work. See, that, you know, that's what's missing today. You know, when you hear, you know, JR talking about AEW, too much flopping going on in this. You know, anybody can bump, you know, but God dang, to play Shakespeare, it's work, people. How about this? We can do a 20-minute, I literally, Cox, look, we're going to the same finish we did in St. Louis, 15 minutes, fill the crowd, get our heat, walk and talk, one bump, two max, take it home, let's get out of here. You know what I mean? Nobody stepped on each other, everybody knew how the work was. You know, we had a crew, you know, that here's the first match, second match, and I learned all that from Brad Armstrong. You know, I can literally name names, everybody I sat with and got smart up to the business. But, you know, I had my first two years, you know, I probably had 500 matches, literally working with the best. And, you know, I've still got that mindset of kayfabe. And the times people come at me, I can snap pretty good. But that's really how I got started in the business, you know. And I'd literally set up high and, you know, I'd get a money guy. I've had everybody from Ric Flair and everybody critique your matches. And, and if there's one piece of slides I give any new guy breaking in, just shut up. They don't care what money guys will go, hey, look, here's what you need to do. Try this, this, and this. And, and always without some small, you know, except go, yeah, but here's what I'm trying to do. And try to explain what they're trying to do. And, you know, it ain't working. It won't work. And that's like when I watch these matches, you know, the way NBA style, but it's just like, Jesus, man, nobody knows how to tell a story. Everybody talks about painting a picture. It's not hard to do, but it is unless, you know, you've never been around the top guys. Who who has 500 matches in two years anymore? And, you know, that was the norm back in my day. Four years in the business, think about it. God dang, I've had a thousand matches. A thousand. What do you need? Well, you know, where am I at on the card? Hey, here, look at this. What can I do? What kind of video? Let's tweak this, that, come back with that. 
and I literally said around Booker's, you know, I said around Brody. Think about it, Bruiser Brody. I was the guy that drove his ass to the airport. I was supposed to go down to Puerto Rico. He's still be going down and taking over that he wanted me to come in, top baby face, and then he gets killed, you know. Me and Eddie had a pretty hot discussion one night about him from around Puerto Rico. I still, how do you kill a man and get away with it? Well, I don't know, but ask these guys. Chris Adams learned, you know, I literally, like, I was in Memphis, and this is when uh, Steve Williams came up to me. The other Steve Williams says, watch my match. And I look, I literally looked at the money guy sitting there going, you need to ask these guys. And they started laughing. They go, Cox, you're finally there. Go out and watch. Tell us what you think of it. Because, you know, back then, and still today, money guys were that time, I'd carry their bags. You know, I, I may not like to work. I may not like the personality, but I respect their draw. You know, in that business, in my day, you respect the draw. You know what I'm saying? And that's how they kept people sometimes from jumping the fence. You have to have that mindset. Right, wrong, or different. This guy can beat up a paper sack, but he puts asses in the seat. We need that in the family. You see what I'm saying? It was a click thing, you know. But I told Steve, I said, first thing, you got to change your name. You know, there's already a Steve Williams. And, you know, it turned out to be, you know, stone cold. I called, literally, I'm in Memphis. Jerry Lawler, I said, give me a quarter. I borrowed quarters from Jerry Lawler. Got on the payphone and called Chris Adams. And I'm like, why the hell are you over here? Because, you know, Memphis is a little man territory. But the best thing about Memphis is you're going to learn how to work and how to put over a little guy. See what I'm saying? Like, you're a grizzly. That's a little, you know, how does a little man kill a grizzly or does a grizzly kill the little man? Can you tell that story? But, yeah, I met through it all. I mean, I walked with quite a few people. I'm glad I got when I was out because at the end, I always considered, especially in the 90s, it got freaking stupid. You know what I mean? From, you know, God dang, Red Rooster, all that shit. I'm gibbering all over the place. I'm jumping all over. Let me back up. Okay, I'm running the road with UWF. We're getting a year thing. Well, about a year and a half in, I was supposed to start going. Shane Douglas was working somebody. Anyway, oh, he's working with Gilbert. Great matches. I'm telling you what, even I got a match on there with Troy, and it's supposed to be a baby face match. You know, back then, I never, you know, how do you work a baby face match? Tender boys do it now. It's easy, but, you know, when you're starting out. Anyway, Troy carried me through that whole thing. So they went for me with Rookie of the Year. You know, they're trying to utilize, because, you know, baby face is really what draws. A good heel draws. Baby faces get all the women. So I'm, I'm working that angle. Bill Watts sells out to NWA. Crockett comes in, and everybody's kind of up nervous. It's kind of fun. Crockett had a plane we used to fly around in. I remember we landed in the airport. I remember out in nowhere, Louisiana. Landed. Hayes, Iron Anderson, you know, all these top guys, you know, Tully. We're out there looking for the thing. And this is when Chris Adams just got out of prison. Chris got faced because, you know, down in South Louisiana, they got daiquiri huts. The pilot said, you need to come get about that time. Chris throws the pilot off the plane. We never laughed so hard in our life, but Crockett wasn't happy, you know. <laughs> so, and they kept building the roster. I'm coming up on two years. Dusty called me over. Dusty rolls the back of dream. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you, son. I'm going to tell you how to do the thing. I'm going to tell you how to do the interview. I'm going to tell you how to do the promo. I'm going to tell you how to do it all. Anyway, I still can't do a good Dusty because Brad Armstrong could do Dusty to a T. So could Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor got bit in the ass by though. Dusty didn't think it was funny. He called me over. He lets me go. And I was so happy. There's nothing like getting fired or let go. But Dustin Rose, man, can do it. Steve Cotton, he's literally, Steve Cotton, come on here and sit down. We got to talk a little bit. We got to talk about your career, what you're going to be doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is a big setup. Anyways, I got to let you go. I was like, I hugged him. I was like, God. You know, think about it. Two years in the business. Cocaine, beat up, traveling. I literally had about 500 matches about because nobody wanted to give up their spot because everybody's worried about, you know, I didn't really know about the other territories working around, you know, so so I get let go. And 
Dusty did offer to make some calls and all that good stuff. Come to find out, he backdoored a lot, him and Bill Watts. Because, you know, they're calling him up like any new talent, any of this. My name was always brought up. But anyway, I set out for six weeks, literally just trying to heal up. I'm beat up. That ring, I don't care what anybody says. You can call it work, call it fake. But, you know, when you're working that many matches, that many nights, bumping, jumping, running the road, getting poor sleep, you know, sleeping on the table. Anyway, so I come back here, Tulsa. Trying to figure out, do I want to keep doing it? Anyway, I got a call from uh, Bob Geigel up in Kansas City. I just want to go meet Rubisar Jones and my roommate in college. He's from up at Junction City. Anyway, he loved Bulldog Bob Brown. And I'm thinking, yeah, I got to work for these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just got to go up there and get a pick. My roommate's like, I call my roommate. I said, look, man, I got a chance to go up to Kansas City where a guy go and meet. He says, got to give me a pick. Because his wife literally bought him, which is my wife's good friend, a shirt. said, Bull, you know, Bulldog Bob Brown's number one fan. And uh, so I get up there. Me, Bulldog, Rufus. It's hilarious. You get checked. Anytime you go to a new territory, you know, they'll say you're, they go relax, Costco work, he's part of the family, he's family. That's how they'll introduce you. Or, you know, he's trying to get in the family, one or the other. If he's trying to get in the family, he ain't there yet. If he's in the family, just tell him what you need, he'll, he'll go do it. But we're doing a battle roar or something. Rufus popped me, you know, anyway, I took Rufus. Ah, I was laughing. I said, brother, I come a long way. I'm, I was up there for two, three weeks, four weeks. I really enjoyed it. You know, I was backwoods. You would believe some of the place where have matches. But, you know, back then, we had a, looked like a deserted, run-down, never-used to get rodeo arena. There's 3,000 people there, you know? And I don't know if it was TV or talent back then. You know, it's got to be TV, though. And a lot of the talent was good, too. But, you know, we worked in some weird places up there with Geigel. We always got our money and skin, so... I get a call from Pritchard saying, hey, we're going to do a show in Tulsa. You're going to tag, tag with Michael against the Samoyans. It's a tryout or something. And I'm just like, how much? Well, they told me to pay out. You know, it's 400 bucks. Cash, that, you know what I mean? That's easy money. I go there, and I never really worked tags. See, tag and single matches are two different. It's an art form. You know, when you, you hear about, you know, Cornette talking about the Midnight Express, he's got, it's a freaking art form because you got five, seven, nine people out there, and they're all on point to, to paint that picture and pull off that angle. Tag, you know, it's, you know, heat on, <laughs> I finally figured out, heat on me, I'm going to carry the badge because Michael's going to stand in the corner and be Michael. And then I'm going to make the hot tag. You can big smiles come back and go for the big finish and the big ankle. But anyway, I go work that match. And I'm ready. And I called up guy and I said, "Hey, look, man, WCCW's coming in. I'm gonna work the show for them. Just to give you a heads up if you hear anything." Because you know, it, and that's the thing I probably learned from Watts real early, and it really helped me deepen my career. How to talk to promoters, how you talk to your bookers. You see what I'm saying? You, you go in, and we all sit down, and you hammer it out. So, but anyway, uh, you know, I called guy and told him. So I do a match, and then I get a call from Bridge to say, you know, Fritz wants to bring you in Friday. He wants to talk to you. Probably the easiest, shortest meeting I ever had, but I, I knew he'd probably talk to once. But anyway, I walk in and, told, you know, he goes, what do you need? And I told him, he goes, I don't know if I do that. I go, no, here's what you're drawing. Because, you know, back in the day, literally, brother, I could pull up. I know how many seats. I do your ticket prices. I know what this, this company's making every show. See, you know, when you hear these people, they go, we had 600 people. I'm like, what was the house? And even when I ran my shows, I ran shows. They were light on the 
people wise, geez, I've been a ton of money just selling advertisement. I was going to keep doing it, but I had a full time job and working a bunch of smalls. Everybody wants to be in the office. Go, you got to work, and I'm not doing it all. And I'm thinking about doing it now. So anyway, I go down to meet Fritz, and it was hilarious. Came in a conversation, paid me two weeks in advance. And when I told him what he's making, what I, you know, he's drawing all this, what he's been getting on the house, all this, and his payoffs, he started laughing. He said, finally, somebody knows how to negotiate. He gave me what I asked for. You know, back in the day, I was making main events match, but I knew I never really worked main events down there. So you, you probably heard us like Chris Adams that, because, you know, you got the Von Erics. The way I look, I'm straight up baby face, you know. And when I finally turned heel, you talk about some heat, but, you know, so I, I was making really good money close to home. I'm just telling you guys, it was crazy down there. I mean, it it was hilarious, you know, I I was just, and it was great to be around. They were all, you you got Iceman, you got Chris. That's why I started working down there, you know, with, with Michael and and the Samoyas. And, you know, that was a great team to learn tag match, tag match, really to build to a big finish. You know, you see the crowd really going crazy. You got to put in your time, energy and effort and build it. And cut off, gear tags, this, ref, oh, man. But if it's done right, that place will be rocking. No one's building for the hot tag, for the big comeback, for the big win. You see what I'm saying? Come on, tag, you know. You just don't see that no more. And then also with Michael doing interviews. And not interviews per se, you know, promos, cut that. You know, I had my time with him. I stepped in on him. And Michael be hot. Everybody else be laughing because they're going, that's a damn good promo. He's stealing your Michael, you know. And then with the Samoyas, you know, working that stiff that hard, you know. But back in our day, we all did. Think about it. We're working with the Steiner brothers to, uh, Jesus, go down the list. Everybody's real stiff back then. Nowadays, wrestling's fake. It is so fake. The wrestlers think it's fake. We're going to do it fake. So I don't want to get hurt. Well, you know, that, that's not how it works. But that's where they're at. And I'd give anything to be in my prime nowadays. But that's kind of hit the nutshell overall, you know. And then, like you're saying, you know, the other crews. And then had an opportunity to go to Japan, work in UWF, work a lot of Indies over there. Did a lot of military bases. You know, it allowed me to open up a weird kind of a dichotomy of backdoor stuff going on, you know. That, you know, nowadays, you know, with social media and all that stuff, it's all right out there, you know. You know, that's kind of it in a nutshell. So, I could, you know, between that time, it was just every day running around with some crazy, crazy son of a bitches. It was crazy. All kinds of crap. But, you know, there are certain guys you can run with. You know, they were tied into other guys. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't even want to say their names. They're all, most of most people I ran with are dead now. You still got Dugan alive. You know, look at her. I go down the list. You know, most of my people are dead. Monarchs, Adams. You guys got any questions? Or That's just kind of overall... Oh, we definitely got lots of questions for you, man. It's been fun just listening to you talk there. Because, you know, you're talking the first couple years in your career, 500 matches and just a laundry list of legends that you got to work with. You know, you're mentioning DiBiase. You know, you're mentioning Dr. Death. You're, you know, Brad Armstrong. Then you're going into, you know, you got the Von Erichs. You got Akbar. You got all these guys. Nowadays, an indie guy can wrestle for two years, maybe get, you know, 60, 70, maybe 100 matches in those two years. And they're not working a list of names like those guys. What was it like, you know, when you're first starting, you know, it's your first couple of years, you're still basically a rookie, but you're getting a chance to work with guys like this. You're getting a chance to learn and to gain knowledge from these guys who have been doing this all these years. What was that like, you know, as we and kind of compare that to way, you know, what you see now. You guys ever watch Central Anarchy or 
like that Mayans. It's the closest thing yeah. to the business I've ever seen. You know, that real closed-in click. It's all, that was the kayfabe era. I was a prospect, really. You know what I mean? I, you know, I wasn't like I could stay, you know, they're going to, I'm going to earn it. You know what I mean? But I was literally like a prospect. You know, I carried bags, hanged out. You know, I never had an opinion. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was smart enough. And then again, here's what built early in my career. You know what the hell I want to say to a Ric Flair sitting in a room? You know, you know, I, I was smart enough to, to to shut up and sit in those rooms and listen, run under the road and listen. I learned more about the business in the hotel rooms and on the highway than I did in the ring. I, I'm just telling you. And these guys are basically they'll like you and they'll critique you. And they knew if they told me something that it was cleaned up right there. You know, they never saw my, uh, you know, I always implemented everything that was that was told to me. And I never had an opinion. I was humble to those guys. You know what I'm saying? You literally, uh, I'm a prospect. And you see it on that thing where they're just like, hey, prospect, go do it. See what I mean? They didn't say it like that, but you know what I mean? I was a green boy. Hey, green boy, come here. Hey, green boy. And, and that's what they called me. And, you, you know, at the time, I wasn't like a real, you know, wrestling connoisseur, but I knew quickly, and I figured out fast, this is a very old, full of pride profession. You see what I'm saying? I kind of figured out real quickly. I'm looking around, because, you know, these guys, no matter how people on the outside look at it, try to clown that business, and a lot of people try to clown that business. But when you're in that business and you follow that business, there's no clowning. You know what I mean? And on the outside looking in, it may be easy, but if you met these people, you'd be very impressed. You know, these money guys are very impressive to be around. Or they're going to dress you down, too. You're like, I was a prospect night after night driving. That's why I ended up in rehab for methamphetamine. I ain't dying because, you know, Danny Hodge and they had that wreck with Ack and all those guys because they fell asleep. You know, to be able to sit around, run the road, listen to these guys talk about stories. You know, Buddy Jack talking about up in Canada. Uh, Rick Flair, you know, down in Florida, you know, Graham. Yeah, it just, it did track your heritage back. It was me, Bill Watts, well, actually it was me, then Doc. Watch, you know, your family tree back. God, at one time, and I should have wrote all this down. I thought I could always remember. Hell, I, could, I went back to 1930, tracked back who broke in who to get you in. Who, who was a prospect that got brought into the game? You could track it back. And I'm telling you guys, all these old school guys that could track back who got, who let who in and literally track their liturgy back like you can a relative. You see what I'm saying? You, does that make sense? You follow me? I bet literally yeah. like it was Doc Bill, Graham. God, who's got a book in Graham and then the 50s? And then, you know, it, it, it's just crazy. You know how you could track all that back? Who did what? What kind of money they drew? And the sad part is, and that really should, you know, that's one part of the business you don't ever hear nobody talk about. You know, who let you in and then who let him in and then who let him in, you know? And, but they know it. And I knew it at one time. I went back to like 1930 or something like that. But, you know, this business has been around. People don't realize these guys been making money since. 1905, you know, they, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this has been a money draw system since the carnival, stripping cars out, kids, they fizz, they want to miss our kids, like kids, they still deal, kids are, kids are, you see what I'm saying? I'm only the front side. You get those double guys that do the front and back on that carny talk, I'm lost, but I can do enough in front of a mark, and, 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 the, and it was again, prospect, right? Yeah, I'm going to tell you how I learned carny. This is a good story in itself. They, they don't, they let you fall and then pick you up and smarten you up. They're not going to smart you up to try to keep you from falling. They want you to skin your knees up so they go, now here's why you don't do it that way. See what I'm saying? Prospect. 
they kept doing talking corny around me. It took me sick of weeks. I was felt like, you know, all of a sudden it clicked. And I thought they were clowning me. They were working me. You know what I'm saying? And then, mm. poof, guess what? He's like, he's in, he's like, he's already pissing. He's out, fizzies, like finish. I can do fizzies. You know, they start laughing. They like, got a speech impediment. Those guys, the, the guys before me, like Brody and Watts and Dusty and those guys, talk hard. Ain't no way. You, you got to be, you know what I mean? And the fun part was, I literally can go to circuses and carnivals, and it's not out of these young kids, but this is, you know, when I was still younger, I could go start talking carny to an old timer. That's that. And he could be the biggest employee. We'd work the crowd. Juice's business. Look what I was. You know, hey, come over and play this. When your girl. <laughs> I literally stand there for 40 minutes and, you know, help the guy out. He could be that big employee off my trip, you know. So we're all from the same tent, stripping, carny, wrestling. But, you know, it, it's just an old pride business that it, it, it's just god there's times I, and I, it'll light me up I, i'd rather go down and swing it right now that I, I can't it just and it's still in me and it goes back to our day we fought like even terry taylor he may get his ass kicked but he's gonna fight in the way boy that boy fought like so bitch and the only guy i've ever heard getting his ass kicked you know sean michaels getting his ass kicked like that but that's sean michaels but it goes back to say you know hell we'd have ran interference on his ass so think about it. i remember hercules hernandez duke and doc Steiner, even Chavo Guerrero, because she he was a wrestler in college. I mean, it was just crazy. And we and I've been in some fights. We were in South Louisiana. Me, Doc, Dugan, Hernandez. We were late. Now here's how they think of the business. We're late to a show. See, if you're gonna be late, be late enough. We're damn glad to see you. And you, I know you can relate to this. You know, when you run a show, if you know the show starts at eight, they get there at eight forty-five. You're happy, and they know that. Like, but. We're so late. You're happy. You love us. You're hugging us. <laughs> so they just pull over and get beer. And it was like 6.30. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to show up. We get there about 8.15, 8.30. And I've I had, usually had to shuffle my match. I was usually the opening match or third match going to intermission. Been on the push on the angle. But, and, and see what people don't realize, the most important match on the card is the first match really. It says the tempo. You know what I'm saying? Don't step on the crowd. It sets this. We're going to show wrestling, this, that, clean finish. I need 14 to 18 minutes. Don't get crazy. It's kind of like a warm-up comedian. You know, your first match should be two guys out there like wrestling <laughs> and not stealing spots that should be used in semi-main or a tag team going into the intermission. You know you're a worker. If you can do that kind of match, you get the crowd hot going this, quick pop, bing, get a boom, you get back there, sets the table, bam, hit them with the second match, seven, nine minutes, big and a boom, go into the third match, that's where you got your big pop. Now you're building for semi main, but that's the way I was bred. You know, I was a prospect. I was brought in, I'm a prospect that made, you know, made the club. But, you know, you just don't see that out. It's that type of mindset. It is still out there because I see with AEW and all those guys, especially it's got to be because, you know, Rhodes, Dustin, you know, Dusty called me up and told me to take care of Dusty. You know what I'm saying? He's coming in. Just smart him up, run interference, don't let him get crazy. All right. It was weird because Dusty, I hadn't talked to Dusty in only two times after he let me go, but he called me up. He's your family. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Gosh, Dusty. Yes, my boy's coming in. And the only reason was, you know, I was a pretty good shooter back in my day. You know, I could shoot. You know, it's just my training. If I started 41 football games at D1 level, you see what I'm saying? 41. I'm a two-time state wrestling champ. Box five for years. But, yeah, we're down South Louisiana, and Hercules Hernandez. Have you ever seen those little round stools are real heavy? Anyway, we get surrounded by these local yokels. You know, I'm a green boy. Prospect. I'm ready to go, but, you know. 
And her said, stand back, this will be fun. You know, and I'm like, man, don't you help? No, just stand back, this will be good. He took that chair. Her, think about it, steroid up 280, 6'2", Brooklyn. Now, you know, I think of people up there, I'm not, it's a real deal, badass from the street, son of a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like that type. He's a street urgent that grew up and done right. You follow me? He grew up on the streets. I mean, like me, <laughs> he just, he takes that chair and swing it. He just, boom, boom, boom. And these people are flying. He's killing them with this chair. But it, it's like once they were down, he'd take that chair and sling it like a sledge. I mean, I was so like, I am so thankful. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm standing here watching Hercules Hernandez use a chair and do what he's doing. I mean, if I wouldn't have seen it, I it was like a, a movie scene. He was mowing down these local yokels and then taking that chair. So anyway, so we start heading out. Next, you know, I've never seen so many freaking cops in my life. I swear. I've never. Galliano, Louisiana. Never seen so many cops in my life. We're surrounded. And, you know, I'm trying to act all cool. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, prospect. I'm not in the club yet. Because what that became a worker, fuck, works on, right? These guys work the work on the cops. And it was hilarious. So anyway, we walk out and this cop, you know, you got any weapons? No, hands up. Put their hands up. And then they go, on your knees. And then Doc, I swear to God, yells at this guy. Yells at this guy. These are brand new leather pants. They cost me $500. <laughs> He's like, what? And literally, I don't forget, I think it was Dugan or Hurt goes, you pay 500 bucks for leather pants? And you can tell the cops thinking, who pays $500 for <laughs> leather pants? I'm like, I'm ready to go to my knees. They're like, prospect, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, hey, guys, we, we, we better get down. Anyway, finally, the littlest cop I've ever seen come around and, and cuffs him. And we all get in cuffs. We go down there. All these people are bringing their families to take pictures with us. They call relatives and these are the sheriffs called everybody. But we're in a Louisiana parish. Bill Watts, they called Rena and said, we got some of your boys here. They made Bill pay a pretty good chunk of pay, which came out of our pay, to get us released in time for the show. And he gave my everybody free tickets. That was a Tuesday. I, I, the Barbarian, we're on the 15th floor, downtown Cincinnati, had a security guy up over his head, was going to throw him off the ledge, and I'm only going, don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I could go forever, like, you know, that was the best part of the business, and the ring, you know, you know it cost Bill, I think, $3,200, and we had to take pictures, and free tickets. It was those kind of nights where you're just like, this is crazy. Didn't you throw in the Von Erics, Chris Adams? I get a call. They said, man, you got to come in here. Cause what's weird is I was the most level-headed one. You know, because I, I was always like, guys, I don't want to spend this kind of money to get out of trouble. Don't get me wrong, we'll get out of it. But it's gonna, they always held us up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we just bought our way out of problems. You know, just here's 5000 It goes away real quick. But it was those kind of nights, and it was just that, that crazy back then. Think about it. Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, running that. Go out to Amarillo, Lubbock. You know, there's always that underground. What's that strip club we go to in Lubbock? God dang we had a huge knockdown drag out brawl strip club in Lubbock. I don't know how familiar you are with Lubbock, but you know, it's got, you got to drive out to get the lick store and there's a strip clubs out there. And, and this guy was, thought he was in love and man, he popped Doc in the head. I don't forget this. It's a local yokel, but you know, he's a country boy, you know, dressed up all. <laughs> he, thought, he thought Doc was flirting with his girlfriend. The guy got jealous and just popped Doc in the head. Now, now imagine Doc 6'1", 280, 295, 290. And he's got this huge head. He, you know, I wear a size 11 ring finger. He wore a 14. <laughs> this little guy just popped Doc in the head. And now Doc, it didn't even move his head. Doc just turned and looked at it. 
we never laughed so hard in our life. And the poor guy was just like, what did I just do? Anyway, this girl, because Flathouse State jumped in between them. They looked at us. There was four of us. And this is back in kayfabe again, two over here, two over there. And they thought it was just me and Doc because, you know, those guys are bad guys, right? And so they, you know, there's like 20 of them. They start going. <laughs> Doc literally was just, he was killing them, like killing them. I mean, it was just crazy. And, you know, I'm around doing my little thing, but, you know, you like these guys. Up. I don't, here, here's how it is. You literally like these guys up. See, I would love to see Conor McGregor. You know what I'm talking about? You know, that fighter? Think about mm-hmm. it. He's got permission to cut loose, go 100%, use total kill instinct. Total, these guys like alpha dog kill, go full instinct on March. Normal people, and it's just, there, there's no boundaries. You know what I'm saying? And and you get guys like that to cut loose. It, it's just, I, I can't even, it, it's just amazing to watch, you know. But it's those kind of stuff. The wrestling itself in the ring, the business, what you need, that's the, you got to take care of that. That's your heartbeat. You know what I mean? And your business, learn that kind of work. That's why the bit. well, that's why they're all freaking dead. You know what I'm saying? It was something else. No, we're doing good, man. But at this point in time, though, I'd like to kind of pass the mic over to Glenn for a minute. And see if maybe he he might have a couple questions for you about when you were teaming with Michael Hayes on a certain pay per view referred to as Super Clash Three. Okay, dokey, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, the back of, yeah, 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 man, yeah. I remember that because I'm up here in AWA country, and I remember uh, all the stuff you know leading up to it because you know this was going to be uh, one of the big last stands against the WWF. You know, you had Vern teaming up with with Jarrett, and of course with the CWA, and it was world class involved. And I think even Continental was involved. And you were tagged up with Michael Hayes in the midst of your feud with the Samoan SWAT team. Uh, Samu and Fatu, and you guys ended up making it out up to uh, the Chicagoland area for the Super Clash Three pay per view. Yeah. I want you to. I want to hear about this experience up there. Uh, you guys going up and working that pay per view. I mean, it wasn't exactly the big draw, and it became kind of a disaster. And there was a lot of cases through the years where even Chavo questioned Vern at a Cauliflower Alley Club about where his paycheck went was and all of this. But I want to hear your Super Clash Three experience. Uh, not only uh, in ring with teaming up with michael but just the experience all together here as we uh get into our final segment this week leading up to the chicago it was hilarious i don't think they really planned on that angle or us getting that good or that hot because literally they moved us to main event bonners nobody could follow our matches nobody could follow us we had it down baby and the big rib was we always won me and michael won those tag bags we won every match but buddy somehow screwed us so that's a big rib Every time, uh, they did what, buddy? You know, <laughs> buddy had some serious freaking heat, man. I'm telling you, there in Texas and some places, he literally had to be escorted out. And, you know, he couldn't park at the arena or anything. I mean, he had heat. We had a lot of touch. We had that down, but but you know, rolled into it. It was a, it was fun. I, I don't care what anybody says. Us building to that, working Memphis, Texas, back and forth, TV flying around. We had a great time, and especially kind of intermixing with you know, because. From Lawler over, uh, you know, the Memphis people, they didn't want to think of us sometimes when we come rolling in, you know, hey, we're big and we go out and just kill it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a pro, all right? You know, I got it. I, 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 I was a prospect and I could you know, by then I'm a walk and talk a real deal kind of guy. See what I'm saying? I can sit down in front of anybody. It's like the mob, you know, that. Anyway, so, you know, the nice part was I, I was. You know, my career was able to get to that point and get recorded. You know what I'm saying? It was a great match. 
you know, we stole the show. They loved it. But building up to it, we get there. I ever get, we get Chicago, get to the arena, and Jägermeister. Now, when you see the Samoyas come out, they're in those yellow shirts. Jägermeister sponsored the pay for you. They're handing out free Jägermeister bottles, those little bottles. Now, think about it. Look at that whole card. Who's on that card? Free Jägermeister. Now, there's another guy there that literally pulls out a freezy bag full of cocaine. Now, think of those big Ziploc. No, you know, a little different back day when they first coming out, but he had a freezer bag full of almost 100 pure cocaine. And here we go. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's doing that. And Terry got soaked up the night before. I had to drag him out. Terry Von Eric was, was shooting up. He was just literally taking cocaine and uh, water, mixing it, and shooting it in his forearms. Literally. I had to go get his ass. We get to there, and all of a sudden, after my match, no, right before my match, I'm sitting there, and Terry wasn't all there, and, you know, he put on his gig, you know, the thing you juice with. Somebody's baby oil up. I hated that. Him and Terry Taylor, I hate baby oil. It's one thing I couldn't stand, the, you know, certain guys, but he juices himself real bad. <laughs> Michael and me are just, we're laughing so hard. We're laughing, because he don't realize it. I'm like, Michael, look, Mike, Michael. That's why I love the business. Think about it, brother. I'm sitting in a locker room next to Michael Hayes, done Jagermeister, and watching Gary juice himself under his armpit, putting on baby oil. <laughs> We're laughing so hard. The doctor comes in, and he literally goes, he's a, he's a golly gee wally white guy, right? No, no, no. He can't, he can't work tonight. He's physically impaired. You know, he starts out, this guy's got a big, he had a huge cut under his arm. Really, you know, everybody started laughing at that. Like, look, he's going out. And you ever seen that movie with Denzel Washington? You know, they're trying to get him up for the, uh, when he was a uh, pilot and the wreck. Anyway, they're literally blowing cocaine down his throat to get him up. And we're all on board, brother. Working with Jerry, he can carry his ass. These guys can put over a broomstick. And it's like, okay, Jerry's got us. So we go out, rock the house, come back in, made it just right to the point. We're, you should have seen us all. As soon as you get inside the curtain, think about it. We've been Jager Mice cocaine and. 18, 20 minute match, tag, heat on me. We're all here, here, Again, I mean, think about it. That was my reality, guys. That's the best part of the business. Think about it. by the end of the night, people are lit like crazy. That whole Chicago pay per view, the best thing I liked about it was just that match. You know, you can watch that match any different way you want to. That's a hell of a match. You know, it's, it's, that match stands the test of time. Anyway, oh, to finish that story, Watch the match when Jerry Lawler takes Kevin's arm and slings it on the turnbuckle. And that's how he started bleeding again. They, they put some stitches. They did a rough stitch. The guy's trying to do a rough stitch. Watch Terry's arm bleed. But that's where he juiced by accident. And Jerry takes his arm and just starts slamming it over the turnbuckle. Sell that, and he bleeds, and off they go again. That was a big sell. And so they got over how he's bleeding. You know, you get out there, because you just start bleeding again. And you, you know, bled like a poor pig, blood dead, and from there. But, and then, you know, it's fun, because you've got the Guerreros there. Me and Chavo got back together. And I ran with Hector and Mondo quite a bit. You know, hearing about Mondo, they'll see Mondo's the one that traded up all the Glow Girls. You know, back then, Mondo didn't really want nobody knowing that he's training the Glow Girls. You know, because K-Fabe, right? You're doing what? <laughs> but that's where I got my boots stolen, too, by Dr. Death, boots, flames, and that. Yeah, that's Chicago that night, the party. Oh, geez. We go to this bar, and you literally pull back the wall. We go down these steps, and it's just huge-ass prohibition-era-type bar room. 
you and Blue One wasn't going on down that place. But that's being a rock star. It was weird, you know, because back then we didn't. I was just starting MTV, but big hair, bitty skirts. Yeah, it was crazy. That was the business, you know, back then. And it, you know, but it goes back like I said, you know, it, I try to explain it where, you know, we really were like that. You know, we're, you, if you watch the set of anarchies, that was us. You know, UWF, WCCW, that kind of thing. But everybody interchanged. But thank you guys. I, I hope I didn't scammer too much. I just, God dang, there's just so much to tell sometimes. I just get stupid with it. So hopefully you can make some sense out of all this hope i made sense oh it was a fun fast-paced hour man i just like sitting back and letting you tell it tell you talk and do your thing man yeah. <laughs> sometimes it just bottles up i ain't said it like that but thank you for the opportunity to allow me to do that well it's time to wrap up this edition uh, of wrestling memories then and now for the grizzle vet mike mccurdy and our guest steve do it to it cox i'm glenn brog it's so long for now